Doug and Marty vs. the World is sponsored and paid for by Marty McClendon, Doug Bassler, and Prologue Digital Advertising Agency. Round one, go. Well, what do you know? It's actually February, brother. It's February. <laughs> Here in the Northwest and, and literally around the world, this is Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon. I'm Doug and Marty versus the world. February, brother. How did how one month get by so fast, man? It, it, <laughs> it, went, it, it went fast. And speaking of fast. Yes. <laughs> tomorrow's my last day, brother. 21 days. No, uh, no meat, no dairy. So, wow. Um, Impressive, brother. That's good. I'm just, I'm just uh, you know. Nothing sounds good, but Hey, uh, you know, we got to get right into today's show. I did get a chance to go to the Roanoke conference or well, it's like to say the Roanoke conference, uh, over at ocean shores, brother. Why are you shaking your head at me? Never miss that. But uh, yeah, I've heard story after story after story that has gotten even more woke. Oh, they were, they yeah. were, yeah. Well, you know, I decided to come out of the closet. So Sunday I wore my I heart Jesus hat and you know, if everybody's going to come out of the closet, I'm coming out of the closet too. I did get a chance to interview uh, several people. And uh, of course that's what we're going to play today is uh, some of the interviews. You didn't make it. So I had to do it all by myself, brother. I had to do all the heavy lifting without you, but uh, maybe next year you'll be there and help me carry some water and stuff (laughs) like that. Uh, You know, it's, one of the things that I love is if it's that we have the opportunity to get together with other Republicans. Mm-hmm. It's always good, right? It is good. It's a fun time at the beach. Typically, it's the time of year when you find out who's running for office and whatever. Great time. I'm sorry I missed it, but I'm looking forward to the interviews you got, man. So, Well, our first interview uh, coming up right away here is with uh, Todd Meyer. Uh, Todd Myers is um, an author, a speaker. He's uh, with the Washington Policy Institute, and he's got a brand new book, but you know, let's let him talk about it. Oh my goodness. Look who I found. Mr. Ecofad himself, Todd Myers, Washington Policy Center. Todd, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Anti-Ecofad. I'm anti-Ecofad. Well, but at least you pointed out that there was one. That was a good thing. Todd, um, Roanoke, I see you here virtually every year. Why do you keep coming back? Well, they, they put me on the board, so I have to, but uh, it's, look, it's the best center-right conference in Washington State. We have 600, we sold out this year, we have 600 people. It's the best conversations about, look, we've, fa- oh, it's difficult. It's tough here, as we all know, and if we don't get together and talk about it and figure out how to work together, it's just going to keep getting worse. So. I'm frustrated, other people are frustrated, but the only way to make it better is to come together and talk about it. Well, and come up with a plan, right? Let's. And I think that's one of the things that I'm seeing is like, hey, we're actually talking about some real strategies and tactics that can make a difference. That's exactly right. And in the area that I work on, environment, right, what I try to tell people is don't be afraid of this issue. Conservatives should not be afraid of this issue. Conservatives live near the environment. It's the left who lives in the cities. Um, And don't be afraid of it. Here are some ways that you can fight on these issues, express concern about the environment in a way that is consistent with personal freedom, with economics, with prosperity, so that you don't have to cede it to the left. And the same is true on other issues here. So now we have the ammunition to go fight these ideological battles. 
battles. Yeah, well, they've uh, the other side successfully been able to make these one-issue sort of deals like prominent in kind of what I'm hearing is with, I mean, like for example, abortion, right? It affects like 0.01% of the population. And the real thing is how am I going to feed my kids or what's the safety situation, you know, these other issues, right? So um, how do you see us uh, making the main thing the main thing? Well, I think you have to do it in a lot of ways, person to person, and you have to do just what you just said, which is make the issues personal. If people can abstract and just say, well, I'm afraid of Republicans because they're this and this, but then they, but then you look at the polls and it's like, oh, but crime is out of control and I don't want to pay more taxes and things like that. The more you can make things tangible and empower people rather than politicians, the more they're going to do the the types of things we like because when people make decisions about their own lives, they follow conservative principles. It's when they make decisions about other people's money that they're like, well, we could just spend it on anything. So I think that is the way that you do it. So uh, you got a brand new book. I just picked it up myself. Time to think small. What's time to think small about? So. As I said, a lot of conservatives are afraid of talking about the environment because they associate it with big government, right? So, oh, gee, we have climate change or we have, you know, pollution or something like that. What we need is a big government program. And conservatives, rightly, sort of recoil from that. And so, therefore, they sort of, they get a step back from the environment. Even though in their personal lives, they care about it. They hike, they hunt, they fish, all those sorts of things. So, a time to think small is is arguing is don't think big government, think small. Think small personal actions that are really making a big difference. Big government programs often fail. Our forests are not getting any healthier, right? The reason we're burning every year is because uh, government is mismanaging them. I sit on the Puget Sound Salmon Recovery Council. Our salmon are not recovering. We spend a lot of money and effort and they're not recovering. And climate change, whatever you think about it, the governor talks about it all the time, and yet every single year, virtually every single year, CO2 emissions have gone up, despite the fact that he's spending huge amounts of money. Their ideas don't work. Our ideas do, and it's by empowering individuals who are the true stewards of the planet. Now, that's what my book is about, how we can do that and how we can fight back. So what was your biggest challenge in putting this new book together? Oh, you know, what's really fun about it actually is that the minute I started noticing people doing really innovative small things to help the planet that were working, is that it's sort of like then you see them everywhere and you realize that a lot of things are going on. Um, and so the hardest thing was to sort of like tie it all together all of this various diversity, all of the uh, diversity of ideas and efforts and make it coherent and clear. There was, it's funny, there was a review of my book that said that you'll get information overload, which I, I didn't think was a bad critique, but uh, that, they sort of characterized it that way. Um, so there's lots of ideas because too often when we talk about the environment, we talk in these very abstract theoretical ways and I wanted to make it concrete. I wanted to make it tangible to say, look, this actually works. This isn't just a theory, free market economics, free market, environmentalism isn't just a theory it's real and it's working everywhere so um, what do you what do you hope to accomplish when when someone picks this book up and reads it which I intend to do very soon actually was trying to read it but the conference is so interesting uh, it's hard to get away from it what are you hoping to, to see happen so a couple things first like I said I want 
conservatives to be confident on the issue of the environment because they get beat up all the time, either by friends, family members, or just members of the public or other folks about why don't you guys care about the environment? And I want to give conservatives the confidence to say, I do care about the environment and my stuff works better than yours. Your stuff is bad. My stuff actually makes a difference for the environment um, so that we, instead of being always on the defensive, we go on the offensive. And second, I want to give tools to people to innovate and to save electricity and save energy so that they don't have to spend money on that. Nobody wants to waste gasoline or electricity, right? You'd rather use that money somewhere else. And so I want to give tools to people to engage on the environmental issues they care about, to help the planet, save money, those sorts of things. I think those are the two big takeaways I want. Well, I'm talking with Todd Myers and his brand new book is Time to Think Small. Where, the, where can they get it? You can get it at bookstores. You can get it on Amazon, of course. It's available uh, at, at Amazon and also on Kindle. Um, and then at the Washington Policy Center, where I work, you can buy it online there. Um, I don't make any more money one way or the other, but um, you can buy We don't it. care where you get it, just get it. That's exactly right. And, and you know, look, I work. I, this is not making me rich. I can guarantee you that. I am not J.K. Rowling. My goal is to get the ideas out there and to turn the tables on the left about the environment. So this is a good, practical, working knowledge for the regular person that listens to Doug and Marty versus the world. That's exactly right. And the other thing is, is that a lot of your listeners have friends or relatives who are on the left who are concerned about the environment and say, hey, why don't you care? And the nice thing about this book is, is that a lot of the people in the book are actually on the left who became frustrated by government inaction or government failure. And so the foreword of the book is actually written by a young woman who works for the World Wildlife Fund. So there are arguments in there that will appeal to your friends, you know, family members who are on the left to say, look, this person is on the left and yet they're saying we should do this instead of government. Yeah, I think your ideas are great, Todd. Thanks for talking to me today. Very nice to chat with you. Thank you. All right. So I, the thing I love, Marty, about, uh, about Todd is that he wants to give you tools and this thinking small, it, he, it's empowering the individual. I love it. I just jumped on Amazon real quick and it's $23.99 for a hardcover, but it's $7.99 for the Kindle version. So well, mine's, auto mine's autographed. Of course, I have oh, a hardcover. I'm just saying. If yeah, now, if he autographs my Kindle, I'm going to have to like try to figure out how to clean the screen, brother. <laughs> but a Kindle version, eight bucks. That's not bad. He's a smart guy. He's always been a straight shooter. He may not agree on all things, but think about this. Small ideas to actually win the argument, right? To be engaged that we actually have innovative ideas that actually make a difference. I love it. So yeah. And cool. do we care? I mean, you know, you and I, we're like outdoorsmen, you know, mm -hmm. we, we love to be outside. We love to get out and, you know, ride the motorcycle or go hunting or whatever it is that we do. And, and, um, and we see the mismanagement of the forest. It's a problem. There's been As a lot. I mean, scout growing up, brother, conservation, conservation, that is environmental was taking care of the environment around you so you can use it and enjoy it, brother. Think True. Small by Todd Myers. You guys should grab that. I, you know, Doug and Marty listeners, uh, especially, you know, all of us, we're environmentalists. We love this. Don't let them win on it. Well, next, uh, I, I ran into a state representative, Jim Walsh, uh, one of our, you know, frequent guests on the program, but just a, a great guy. He's up to his ears in Olympia right now in this session. Let's hear what Jim had to say. All right. Well, we're back. I'm at the Roanoke 2023 over here in Ocean Shores with my very good friend, State Representative Jim Walsh. Jim, how's it going? It's going well, Doug. It's a, a full house here in Ocean Shores. The last uh, 
couple of years have been good as we bounced back from COVID, but this year they're sold out. It's a full house. So uh, been very lively, crowd's good, a lot of chatter, a couple of good panels. It's, uh, there's a lot of energy considering uh, we gotta redirect which way we're heading here in Washington State. So um, the, the focus this year, obviously, is based on the fact that we didn't get a red wave. We didn't get uh, really a win. We actually went backwards in a, in a lot of ways. How do you think the conference is going in sort of like being honest and dealing with that? Well, first of all, it is explicitly honest. Several of the panels have been talking in plain terms about what went wrong in 2022 with our legislative elections and our statewide elections. So that's healthy. We got to sort of vent that, that issue, that frustration. But focusing on what happened before isn't really going to get us ahead. We've got to figure out how we win going forward. And as, uh, you know, as conservatives or constitutionalists in this state, we've got to do a better job of explaining what we are and who we are and what we want to do to, to find the good that there is in this place. So uh, I had the, the pleasure of listening to a panel that you were on uh, about this, how we, how we turn this, this ship around and things like that. And uh, what I think I appreciated most about, you, especially what you were saying, is this idea that campaigning isn't just in October before the election, but it, it has to do with a more comprehensive strategy. Can you just t talk about that a little bit? Sure. Well, I, I mean, we know what the deal is in the state of Washington. In most places and in the state as a state in general, we're at a, uh, a technical disadvantage. There are more progressives than there are conservatives in this state, but there are a critical number of persuadable swing voter types. And if we get enough of them, we can win statewide races and congressional races here in the state. So how do we how do we do that? How do we get the persuadables in the middle to vote for us? And, you know, my point for a long time has been we've got to be on 24 seven. We've got to be talking. We've got to be talking policy. We've got to be talking solutions all year long, all the time. And, and we hear so often, well, what do we do when, you know, the mainstream media is against us and all this? Well, okay, the mainstream media is what it is. But if we are messaging constantly, if we are talking to everyone all the time, you know, we can get ahead of media cycles. And the mainstream media is dying. Everyone knows that. They don't have the influence they used to have. So we need to fill the zone. We need to fill the void left by the mainstream media and talk to people about the things that affect their lives. If we do that, then you know we're not waiting till the fall to run for office. We're we're setting the frame of debate all the time. So um, I loved how you brought up that you know there's always going to be a Dobbs decision. There's always going to be something like that that comes up. But um, if we're more consistent in our messaging, then it just becomes another bump in the road. I mean, stuff happens. However, how, how do you think we build trust in our brand? Because I think that's the message that came out. The Republicans are not trusted. And I think even in our own party, we've seen that where we gave them the presidency, the Senate and the House, and they didn't do much on the federal level. Of course, we haven't seen that. I'd love to see that here in Washington, see what happens. But, but how do we, what do you see as a way that we can build trust? Well, 
I believe that trust comes from speaking the truth, speaking the truth plainly. And too often, because we're in a minority in the legislature and, and tend to run behind in many political races here, we try to be clever. We try to you know, split differences. We try to be in the middle. And I think that you can do that if you're in the majority. But if you're in the minority, you can't afford to split differences. What you need to do is you need to be strong and bold and truth-telling. And the truth is like kryptonite to a lot of progressives. They're invested in emotions and narratives that aren't the truth. We need to be truth-tellers, and I think more people will trust us if we speak the truth to public policy and issues in the state. Now, one of the other things I think that you said that um uh, I thought was corollary to what you're talking about here, and that is tying the issue to the way the person's life really is. So tell me about a little bit about that. Well, sure. I mean, what we did in my district, which for decades was a strong left district, the way we turned it was by talking to people about politics not as politics, but politics as it affects their lives, as it affects their kids, as it affects their homes, as it affects their jobs, and focus on them. And not just talk about big abstract issues in a, in a talking down way, but have the conversation with people where they live. And the great thing about that too, Doug, is that encourages them to, to talk back to you, to tell you what they think and what they experience. If you couch something in terms of how are your kids doing at school and how we can make them happier and, and better students at school, that gives uh, parents or grandparents something very real to talk about back to you. And they can tell you, okay, Mr. Big Shot, this is what I want to see for my kids who are school age. You know, and lately, uh, that's been a couple of things, literally. It's been they want more secure school buildings, campuses. They want to see SROs uniform security there, and uh, and they want school choice. They want to have more options in where they send their kids. So that's a message I get by talking about education, not trying to sound like uh, uh, some insider big shot, but talking about education, about what's going on at your kids' K-12 schools. So tie this to a person's real life, real experience. And so uh, obviously you're a state representative, uh, you're kind of a, you're the guy, right? You're an elected official and things like that. Talk to the average person who's not, you know, in that position. What can the average listener to our program, for example, do to sort of implement what you're talking about? Well, first of all, be proud and be confident that your instincts are usually pretty good. I mean, most regular people want to work their job, they want to do their thing, they want to live their life, raise their family, and be left alone. Not be harassed by a bunch of bureaucrats and a bunch of law and a bunch of rules. So be confident that that's the right way to live. That's the Washington State way, that's the American way. And then don't be afraid to talk to family and friends and neighbors about what, why things are happening like they're happening. Why a dozen eggs has almost tripled in price in most places. It's not just JT that did that. <laughs> no, it's not. And, you know, talk about why more people are getting windows in their cars busted in or why getting their catalytic converters ripped off their vehicles. 
there's a reason these things are happening and everybody who's being honest knows it is it's bad law coming out of olympia yeah, well, and uh, I'm talking with State Representative Jim Walsh here at Roanoke 2023. Thank you for serving, and thank you for taking the time to uh, talk to me today, Jim. Oh, it's always great to talk to you, Doug, and I'm glad uh, everybody listening to this is is engaged. Stay engaged, stay uh, optimistic, stay happy, and, and keep on talking to people about what's right about living here in this state. Great interview. Uh, Jim is uh, so articulate. And um, and he did do a really good job up there in the 19th, right, where he, you know, he flipped a, a very heavy dem district by talking about these these kitchen table. Jim is, yeah, Jim and his wife um, for years served in as a PCO, as a uh, state committee man, state committee woman, and then he became chair of the county and he worked cycle after cycle. I think it was about um, two or three different cycles as chair of the Grays Harbor County. Uh, chairman there, him and his wife were uh, top and working with candidates, including myself at one point in time, they would go door to door. They would, they basically doorbell the entire district talking about the issues, swinging hard, like, uh, like um, generationally long Democrats to say, you know what, what do you have to lose? You're in a district where it's poverty is through the roof, right? Where you, all this stuff, this is before all this woke stuff happened. And you're right. He switched not single-handedly, but over time, got the message to win the election. And then he won barely the first time. He won by a large amount the next time. Now he's un almost untouchable in the district. The district that was- Almost runs unopposed. 40 years voted for nothing but Democrats. Now it's all Republican. You have him and you have uh, uh, his uh, seatmate down there, Republican and senator. Yeah. So yes, it's pretty cool. And it uh, it came out because of, of, like you said, just working and hanging in there. And I know that, you know, our listeners, I, I, I say this all the time, but our listeners are different. You know, they wouldn't mm -hmm. listen to this program unless they had something else inside them, something that's 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 stirring up inside them. And, we, you know, we can look up to a guy like Jim Walsh and say, you know, if this guy can do it, anybody can do it. And of course, the tragic passing of his wife, you know, a few months ago and a, a terrible uh, car crash. Uh, but he's still there. He's still serving. He's not giving up. He's not giving in. And uh, so just, you know, pray for that guy and his, his yep. kids and everything, but uh, it's great, great to see him. He's a, he's, he's a great a guy. Really good guy. And he's very careful. He's one of those guys that probably isn't the most conservative in the world, but he understands the issues. He understands what people want. He is a very strong constitutionalist. He's a libertarian in mind. Like you said, he's gone through a huge tragedy and pray for him. That's probably the most mellow I've heard him, but you're right. Yeah. He's very articulate, a great speaker. I love the fact you got an LJT Wilcox thing because, you know, I heard you got a <laughs> brand, brand new Ferrari, right? Is that what's going on? No, I'm just Yeah, <laughs> well, so let's go ahead and turn. Now, this is, you You mentioned earlier, this is one yeah. of the places where you find out where who's running and Semi Bird, uh, school board guy from what, Tri-Cities, I believe, and uh, he has thrown his his name in the hat for governor. And I, I've only met him a couple of times, but I really enjoyed this interview coming up. This dude is like legit Christian, a legit success story. And uh, just listen in because this is a great interview. Cool. Wow, wow, wow. Look who I found at Roanoke 2023 Ocean Shores. 
declared first out of the shoot, declared candidate for Washington State Governor Semi Bird. Welcome to the program. My friend, it's good seeing you. Thank you for offering the opportunity. Well, so excited uh, about your candidacy. Uh, seriously, I, I don't know that uh, our listeners maybe know you and know about you. Want to just tell, give us a little bit of your bio. Thank you. Thank you. And so I don't want to ever sound like I'm repeating myself, but let me just share my life. I started my life's journey in the inner city ghetto of East Oakland, California, pre-civil rights in 1961. And my mother raised me to love Christ, to be strong, and she built the resilience in me that there was nothing that I could never overcome. When I was six years old, my mother moved us to Seattle, and I was raised in Seattle, went to school in Seattle, K through 12, terrible grades, Ds and Fs. I dropped out my 11th year. I joined the Marine Corps, served in the Marine Corps, got my honorable discharge, got out, went to college, summa cum laude 4.0, went to graduate school. I'm finishing up my PhD. I joined the, uh, I joined the Washington State Army National Guard in 2001. I found myself serving in Army Special Forces and fought all over the over the world, Iraq, and enduring freedom. And then I went into intelligence, and I left active duty and became a federal employee. I was a federal director of training and leadership development for the U.S. Department of Energy. So I've achieved the American dream because of the greatness of America. We are the land of opportunity and freedom. So, you know, as a former youth pastor, uh, I just want to maybe uh, double back here. So you were getting uh, D's and F's and, and poor grades, and the Marine Corps changed that? Oh, the Marine Corps matured me. Great. So I, I just want to tell all the parents out there, think about the Marine Corps. It might help. I, I'm, I'm kidding, of course. But that's an amazing story of, you know, going from being kind of challenged scholastically and everything else to so be in this 4.0 you know type of thing and it's very inspiring what uh, now you're also an elected official now yes i'm the uh, richland school board director and legislative representative so um this is uh why did you get involved in the first place that school board and all this other no doug thank you for asking so i was actually asked to run for congress or Senate several years ago and I said no because after my last combat tour I promised my wife I'm going to stay home and we're going to focus on family. But we started to see what was happening within our school districts and I was asked and approached, Semi, would you? And I said, yes I would because my daughter was closed out of school, right? She was put on remote learning as a behavioral scientist. That's my, my trade now. I know that children do not learn well when they are isolated from their, their fellow students and from one-on-one -on -one learning and so we needed to bring change and I have brought some significant change to our school district with the support of my my brothers and sisters on the school board of course so and um, so this was not you weren't trying to get famous you weren't trying to get rich you were trying to make a difference and so you know one of the things that that obviously Marty and I talk about is the importance of that local involvement Doug thank you so much and, and, and here's the thing and I do have to say and emphasize for me, I served in combat. I, I, I tell folks I live death. Um, they don't give you a purple heart for getting your feelings hurt, I tell people. So I know how precious life is. And certainly our children's lives are very precious. And I will say, my mother raised me to understand that education and a good job, that is the freedom that Dr. Martin Luther King sought for all folks in the world and, in, and certainly in America. I have resiliency. My mom ensured that I was never gonna be a victim. And that's why I started with our school system. So now we're, you've come out, and I did not, you know, I just met you last year, and obviously everybody likes you because you're such a great guy, but um, 
governor running against, uh, you know, who knows if Inslee's going to run for his 80th term or whatever it is. Um, this is a big deal. What what caused you to make that decision? Well, thank you. So as, as you alluded to, yes, I am spiritual, so I believe it's a calling. But I also believe that the time is now because what I'm seeing is certain individuals continue to make false promises to the marginalized communities in, the, in our state. And this happens all across the nation. And I think this is the opportunity to bring true value, conservative values, to those who have not been able to participate in the American dream. And what I mean simply is this. Our welfare system subjugates people to a lifetime of poverty. It raises no one out of poverty. There are so many other policies. And then the other thing is, I actually have a resume. <laughs> Unlike Governor Inslee, bless his heart, I have a resume of leadership. I'm an analytical person, I'm a strategic person. I think we have the right strategy to include all Washingtonians, to create value for all Washingtonians, to revise, redevelop our, our social services, to improve our education system, to focus on economic growth, and then opportunity for all Washingtonians. And so there's so much that we can do. And I believe this is my calling. This is my time to do it. Okay, so we have a challenge here in Washington State. And uh, you are uh, a person of color and you are a Republican. And so this is um, our brand is has suffered a bit in Washington State. How do you intend to overcome that? Well, thank you. Well, you called it out. And so I've achieved the American dream, right? Through, through hopefulness, hopefulness and prayer, right? Not helplessness and despair. That's how I was raised. And so overcoming it, we start with going into those communities that we have not gone into. I am a Republican. Last week, someone asked me, it was a friend. He said, Simeon, I got to ask you this. How can you be a black man and be a Republican? I said, brother, how can I be a black man and not be a Republican if you understand our history? Right. Um, Pres our President Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass. Uh, we ended slavery. We were the party of abolition. We were the party that pushed civil rights. And so I want to bring the truth of our history as conservatives, but it's inclusive. We need to take an inclusive approach. We need to go to those communities. We need to walk those streets. We need to engage our Hispanic community, our black community, our Asian American community, and I can go on. I just wish Republicans would have done this sooner. I will not make that mistake. I'm going to where it really matters, to the people, because that's why I'm doing this. Not for me, it's for we. You know, one of the things that has been coming out again and again here at the Roanoke Conference is the fact that we don't want to run our political campaigns October before the election. It's a 24-7, it's a 365. Kathy McMorris Rogers, uh, 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 publicist, was talking about that. It, do you see that as the as the the real path to victory? I, I do. It's a strategy. I think the real path to victory is engaging with all Washingtonians, not just Washingtonians that we think are going to agree with our ideology or our political um, policies. We need to engage all Washingtonians so that we can hear their voice. You know, this is one of those things where I say, "United we stand, together we can." This is the value of diversity: diversity of thought, right? Diversity of experience. If we serve them, then we should be hearing from them. And then the other thing, the reason why I'm running so early, it's 20 where we're two years out, just, just a little short of two years out, it is to give me enough time to get out there and engage one-on-one -on -one and as often as I can with our citizens. And I'm gonna cover the entire state. You know, um, one of the things that I've been hearing like from Representative Jim Walsh, uh, just talked to Todd Myers here a minute ago, 
is connecting the policy with the person. So does that mean you're going to meet them at the gas pump? Are you going to meet them when they get their electric bill in the mail? Are you Where are you going to meet these people? Well, we should be meeting with the people before we, we put out a policy or we, we develop a bill. We need to ping. We need to engage our citizens to see, is this going to create value for them? And then it gives them ownership. They're participating. So when we make a decision, we're making better decisions because if we're doing it for the people, we have to be able to say, we listen to the people. And I love what Rep Representative Walsh said and what he represents. He really understands the people. And it's not just, again, what we think about and what we think is important to us. We're a state. We need to think about what's important to all Washingtonians, and I love that approach. Yeah, it's great. Well, how can people get involved? I'm sure a lot of people are very excited to get behind you and, and uh, want to really to repair and build our brand. That's it. No, thank you very much, Doug. And so it's birdforgovernor.com, birdforgovernor.com. Please go to our website, look us up. You can call me. We'll talk. I want you to understand this is a movement. This is transformational change, and this is transformational change to say this. You can be a Republican or you can be a Democrat or you can be an independent. There is enough work to be done in this state to keep us busy. So let's work together to get it done. So if they're going to have a, a coffee meeting or you want to have them come to your club or something like that, you're willing to do that? Oh, absolutely. I'm going into living rooms. I've been in Gig Harbor. I've been to Kitsap. I've been all over the state. I go to living rooms. I'm talking to Lincoln Day dinners. I'll go anywhere I'm invited. Please call me in. And again, if you have a complete different uh, differences of opinion of what I you think I stand for, let's talk about it. I will listen to you. I will learn from you. And I will leave that meeting better off than not have not meeting, meeting you. Well, I know uh, you're no stranger to hard work, so welcome to the race. God bless you. Thank you for being on the show today. God bless you, brother. I appreciate everything you do too, Doug. Thank you. So, Marty, uh, do you know Semi? I don't. I've seen him on, like, you know, heard about him. I saw him speak a little bit at the Pierce County uh, Gala this year where I was doing the auctioneer. But, no, I don't know him. Uh, Inspiring story. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's Early on, it, it reminds me a little bit of Tiffany Smiley. Not obviously not the Christian part because he seems a lot more open with his faith, which is great. But someone that you would didn't expect uh, launches early, has a lot of support, right? Um, doesn't have a lot of deep policy issues, but they're wanting to do the right thing. And uh, I thought she did pretty good. So, but she didn't have the openly sort of conservative Christian talk. So. Maybe he'll, he'll bring in those, us, as well along the way. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I like the guy. I'm very excited about his candidacy, birdforgovernor.com. Now, the next interview, Marty, there's a lot of uh, debate on this whole, you know, how much do we support Ukraine? How much do we, you know, we look at them. Right. And what I love about talking to Vitali is that he's putting a, a, hum, a human face on it, right? So, right. like, one of the things that uh, I'm getting, I don't know about you, brother, but I think we need to stop this thing. Like we should be talking about ceasefires. We should be talking about peace and not just trying to dump in more military equipment and trying to like somehow win. And it sounds like Vietnam to me, brother. It, it does sound like Vietnam in some ways, but it's, it's more corrupt than that. When you think about all the corporate interests involved. So you're right. I think we should stop it. We should stop, you know, ceasefire, brother. Come on. Yeah, they they had a panel and, um, you know, they had a Russian guy and they had Vitaly and uh, in they had a, a, what's his name he used to be state senator, but was it ambassador? Anyway, I grabbed Vitaly. He's come out and did street church with me and everything. Uh, got a great testimony about how American missionaries uh, helped him to be healed from epilepsy as a child. 
uh, in Ukraine. Let's listen to what Vitaly had to say. Sure. All right, uh, Doug Bassler here at Roanoke 2023, and I'm with my very good friend Vitaly Potokin, who just did uh, a panel uh, on on the Ukraine situation, and uh, Vitaly is a actually a chaplain with the Ukrainian army and uh, a, a strong lover of both Ukraine and the United States, and also um, you know a, a person who who has an opinion based on biblical values rather than just political values. And so I was so happy to, to uh, you know, see the panel and how you were saying this, what we're, what we're in in Ukraine, what we're facing right now is a spiritual battle. So what did you mean by that? I mean that where's the spirit of God, there is freedom. And I do believe that the God who created nations, languages, governments, and borders. He is the God of the law and order. And what's happening right now, any wars are, this is not the plan of God, this is satanic plan. And uh, I do believe that the prayer, spiritual weapon that God gave for the church, and as the believer, uh, I'm using this weapon, and I'm inviting many Americans to use this weapon when they use it in 1991 when Soviet Union fell apart without any weapons being shot. So the communism, this uh, dictatorship of the uh, communism fell apart just because our friends from abroad as uh, American church been praying for this uh, to fall apart because it was anti-Christ regime who was persecuting Christian uh, in Soviet Union and the church was persecuted and any freedom seeker was persecuted uh, and in Gulag uh, paying the price for the freedom. So as a freedom lover, that's why I'm here and as a US citizen, I'm encourage American to stand for the law and order and to pray for any uh, against any spirit that bringing destruction like any spirit of war that what Ukrainian nation most peaceful nation in the center of Europe which was never involved for the last 30 plus years was never involved in any conflicts any wars had never any terror attacks inside or out it's uh, just uh, invasion uh, from the Kremlin it's I believe it's like a rebirth of the communism they're trying to restore the Soviet Union that's what Putin said that the biggest tragedy for him is the that Soviet Union fell apart uh, so we see this as the spiritual war yeah and I think you I think you hit the nail right on the head on that and so now you uh, occasionally you travel over to Ukraine and you so boots on the ground what's the untold story the untold story is so what are your experience uh, my experience is the daily duty of uh, Ukrainian families. Uh, it's not something they want to share or show it on the video, how they're surviving, how they're trying to live their best life, even uh, under the airstrike warning, hiding into the bomb shelters. They're getting out and they keep smiling. They're trying to get their coffee 
and uh, go to do shopping and do daily duties. And sometimes uh, we are misled uh, by the media. Oh, Ukrainians are laughing, are dancing, making pictures, their officials making pictures. Hey, uh, you know, I experienced what it is in being in the war and being under the uh, death threats uh, from the missiles and Russian rockets. You fighting against it in their daily duties. So that means the devil they trying to stole your uh, joy of life, joy of salvation. And so Ukrainian nation, they uh, show in their spirit that they are fighting in by their daily duties, you know, they will live like uh, have the pursuit of for happiness and uh, to enjoy life even against the time of the war. So I'm curious about the Ukrainian church. How's the Ukrainian church uh, dealing with it? Uh, Jesus said, uh, look at the harvest. And right now churches are filled with the newcomers, uh, people coming to receive some humanitarian aid. But at the same time, church is uh, fulfilling their needs more than the government, more than Ukrainian or any other governments. Because right now church is uh, helping not only as the helping like in the social uh, duties like bringing the humanitarian aid medicine but first of all the spiritual needs of the society you know people asking the questions and only church can comfort the soul that asking those questions you know and uh, people coming and finding the comfort and peace uh, inside the churches where we preach the gospel and uh, peace uh, of the God's kingdom first of all that's where it all starts so um, how would you um, encourage our listeners to pray and to get involved uh, uh, I would like to appreciate everyone who's standing in this uh, spiritual battle for peace and for the victory let's the God's kingdom will be on the earth as it is as it is in heaven so and uh, I really wish for every listener of uh, your station to have this God's uh, kingdom first of all starting from our hearts you know to have this peace to have this righteousness to have the love of God and uh, this is spreading uh, through our faith when our faith is uh, in the common like uh, going together with our deeds you know when you're praying and at the same time I'm grateful for everyone who's supporting Ukrainian people who's supporting the organization who helping right now in time of the war and this uh, catastrophe this was happening in Ukraine so continue to pray and do whatever your hand can that's what Bible says do what your heart and your hand can do thank you is there any that people would want to uh, donate or give charitably? I'm a volunteer for the organization called Agape Ministry. We are 20 years in this ministry for orphans in Ukraine and uh, we're bringing more orphans, more widows. Uh, that's a casualty of the war. So I'm continue to serve as a volunteer from Agape Ministry and you can find us agapeua.com 
and you can donate and help us to continue to evacuate family. We rebuild houses. We bring in the food, medicine, clothing. And uh, first of all, we preach in the gospel, the word of hope and faith and salvation uh, through the face of Jesus Christ. Well, thank you so much, Vitaly, for everything you're doing. God bless you. And uh, I'm glad to see that we're in a situation here where faith without works is dead and we're not dead. We're alive and we're doing something. So God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Doc. Thank you for your help. AgapeUA.com. Uh, great, great ministry. What do you think, Marty? Oh, I love Vitaly, but yeah, Matthew 633, brother, seek first the kingdom, right? Of God. All, and so that he, what he's doing is like advancing the kingdom, right? The very basic the widows and orphans, right? Talking about a war-torn country, how they have to have courage and have hope. What a great place. We need to hear. But imagine going there, your home country, going back, seeing people suffering. Um, man, I just pray for Vitaly, pray for the ministry, support him if we can. Yeah, that's awesome, brother. I mean, I, and yeah, and you know I, I'd really like to see us work for a ceasefire. Yes, 100%. Pray for Ukraine, obviously, and, and the Russians that are fighting there as well. But uh, a ceasefire, but. And I would love to be able to dress as nicely as Vitaly does. He's always a sharp looking dude, brother. I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I have a face for radio, brother. There um, we go. <laughs> our, our last interview is uh, Peter Kwan. Peter Kwan is a city council member in SeaTac. Uh, and so he was part of the miracle of SeaTac. Uh, back mm -hmm. in 2015, the Forstler Four and all that. And uh, I really like to, to wrap this up because, you know, we're going to have a lot of elections that at that local level this year. All right. Sure. Guess who else I found at Roanoke 2023 over here in Ocean Shores? It's City Council member Peter Kwan, obviously a very good friend of mine, a friend of the program. Peter, how are you doing? Are you enjoying the conference? I'm doing great. The conference is uh, awesome, having fun here, and the weather is nice and sunny. If you're not here, you are missing out. <laughs> It's sunny at the beach in January. That's a win for everybody. So uh, this year, um, you're back up for re-election again in the SeaTac City Council. So I know that's something that you're anxious to talk about. And um, what I'd like to start off with, though, is um, what's happened since you've been elected in SeaTac? What the heck is going on in SeaTac? That's what I want to know. <laughs> a lot of people ask that question. So yeah, um, obviously when I first got in back in 2016, uh, for the first four years, uh, things were greatly improved, greatly. I mean, almost overnight, you know, the city came out of a deficit into a surplus. Uh, we um, increased human services and public service programs without increasing local taxes, and so things were on the up and up. Uh, we even hired more staff to handle, you know, the busier permitting and hired more police officers and all of that stuff, all, all good stuff. Uh, and then when we kind of uh, lost the, um, I would say, moderate majority on the uh, city council, uh, things kind of started going downhill. So um, over the last, the recent two years, but the, the last year specifically, because now we have uh, five out of the seven council members are, uh, I would say, Democrat slash progressive slash almost socialist. Um, they have been uh, pursuing policies that have, in my opinion, have been damaging to the city and are not sustainable in the long term. 
So uh, we'll, we'll see where this goes, but the most recent thing is they're pushing uh, renters protection ordinances, which the city of Burien already implemented and got challenged in court, and it's still being fought out in court. And the state of Washington itself is the, uh, the state legislature is currently discussing and trying to pursue that as well. So, um, so is that like rent control then? Not, not just rent control. It's uh, uh, restricting the amount of rent increases, increasing the amount of advance notification for rent increases, restricting the amount of late fee penalty to a flat $10. And I'm, I'm, this, this one really gets me because if I'm late on my mortgage, it's not a $10 late fee. You know, it's like a $120 late fee. So if people are relying on their rental income to pay for their mortgage and their rent is late, now they can't pay their mortgage and they're stuck with the $120 bill, they can only charge $10 late fee to the renter. So how is that fair? It's basically sticking the bill to the property owner. So. Well, and that, that may have the unintended consequence of reduction in rental property, right? Exactly, exactly. Because what's going to happen is the uh, rental property owners are going to take those properties off the market and they're just going to convert them to something like an Airbnb, which reduces and actually eliminates long-term rentals off the property. And that, what that, we, we know what that does. That increases rent prices everywhere because there's a shortage of supply. Yeah, you know, and this is... Um, Something that I know that's been near and dear to your heart is that the importance of these local races. There's a lot of city council races, county council races. There's a lot of commissions and things like that. This is really important, right? It's super important because we have seen time and time again how local policies start out and then get they spread to other cities and then get passed by the state. The minimum wage was a perfect example. SeaTac passed it, right? Seattle passed it, right? And then now the state passed it, right? So a lot of these um, state-level policies start out at the local level. So if you're not paying attention to what's going on in your own city, then uh, you're going to eventually uh, have a much more difficult fight when it reaches the state level. And and. It, isn't it true that what happens at that local level affects your life more, uh, it, just in more ways and more quickly yeah. than the state? Absolutely. So uh, one of the things that I have also encountered frequently is that uh, at the state level, we know it takes a year, two years, sometimes four, five, six years to pass something at the state level in most cases. Okay? At the local level, we can pass things within a matter of months. And so uh, if you want to see quicker, immediate, positive change in your own community, you need to pursue it at the local level. Yeah. So now when you first ran, you'd never run for office before. You were at, you know, you really got struck by lightning and the fact that you got elected the first time out, things like that. That doesn't happen for everyone. But what would you say to encourage people who have that that love of their, their city, that love of their county and stuff to get involved and to run? So uh, this is what a lot of people ask. It's a very common question. Okay, I want to run, uh, but really the question I ask is, okay, you want to run, but do you, are you committed to win, right? And the way that I looked at this with my own campaign and with other winning campaigns, including the, the campaigns of the opposition that win, okay, is for, you know, from May to maybe October, November or so, you really have to campaign, you really have to work. And what that means is even if you have a full-time job, you know, you get off work at five o'clock or whatever, you get home at like 5.30 or six, okay, from six to about 7.30 or eight, 
you have to go out and doorbell and campaign, which is what I did. And on Saturdays and Sundays, I went out and doorbell and campaigned almost all day. And I did this for about five months, which sounds like, yeah, it's a lot of work. But keep in mind, if you win as a result, you're golden for the next four years, right? And that, that is what I have observed with the opponents, the opposition now, that they campaign really hard for about four months. They win. Now they're in, and they're completely slacking off, and nobody can do anything about it. Right, so uh, I shouldn't say that that should be your incentive to slack off. But I, I, what I would say is that if you just campaign hard, you know, for a couple of months, right, and then you win, then from that point on, it's it's not as difficult. It will never be as difficult as during campaign season for a few months. So that's the trade-off. Well, and plus when you win and we want you to win you have the ability to do what you guys did and that is to make real changes at that very important local level yes so that is the reward aspect of this you know beyond the campaign what happens after you win right so beyond the campaign you now have the ability to uh, create and enact immediate change in your community okay regardless of what the state is working on regardless of what the federal government is working on there are a lot, Washington State has some of the most powerful um, local control, um, uh, I would say, tools out of any state, which means if you're a local elected official in Washington State, you typically have more power than local elected officials in any other state in the country. So you really, really should take a look at that, and if you want to improve your community immediately and um, positively, then you should run for local office before any other offices. Yeah, and uh, wow, this is uh, this is really good, Peter. I'm so excited that you said that because I think uh, people that listen to Doug and Marty, they're not the normal person. They're the person that's got a little bit more going on because you wouldn't listen to a show like this unless it was, you know, you were that kind of person. So. Um, what you're saying is, come on, get in, the water's fine, we can do this. Yeah, it's hard work, yeah, but it's worth it. We want to save our communities. Right, absolutely. And again, if you were living in any other state and running for local office, you know, uh, even if you win, you might not have as much uh, ability to enact change. But in Washington State, Washington State is really different. Local, local elected officers have super, super powers compared to any other city in any other state. So it, it, it's, um, I would say not only is it rewarding, but it's beneficial for you to look at running into local office simply because you will have a much greater authority to enact change. Awesome. Well, tell us about your campaign. Oh, well, I haven't really fight it off yet because it's still, what, January, right? Yeah. So, uh, but I am planning to run again. Uh, and this year is the majority year, which means four out of the seven seats are up for re-election this year. And I have heard through the grapevine that two are likely going to be open races, which is a perfect opportunity for anyone to step up and uh, not have to worry about running against an incumbent. And uh, of course, please don't run against me. I'm one of the four. So <laughs> if we can get three other people to run, uh, it would be awesome. And if anyone is listening to this and interested and want to do it, make it happen. Give me a call. Contact me. Um, and and I'll, I will help you win. Yeah, just go to DougAndMarty.com. Hit the contact button. I will personally put you in contact with my good friend, Peter Kwan. Well, Peter, thank you for being with me today. Thank you so much, Doug. Wow, it would take us another hour to unpack everything that he put in that, wouldn't it, Marty? Uh, it certainly would, but I, I'm actually really 
nice to hear that you have the authority at the local level. You don't usually hear that. You're thinking, oh, I got to move up to make a difference. You can make a difference at the local level, school board, city council, you name it. What a good interview, brother. Yeah. And, and, um, and what they did, they turned around this huge, you know, two to $3 million deficit that they came in. So they, they ran in 2015, took office in 2016. Uh, and within uh, just a couple of years, they turned that into a $25 million surplus, a rainy day fund. They, they added police, they added uh, safety. They, they, you know, improved parks, they improved everything. You see, as conservatives, our ideas are actually pretty good, brother. They kind of work. Well, I, I remember when they first got in office, all four of them, it shocked it. People started renegotiating with them, lowering in their fees. It just, that's, it, it wasn't the old, you know, um, good old boys club, right? Automatic yeah. contract. I love Get it. a better deal on printing, get a better deal on whatever the, the different things are. Well, um, you know, I kind of like shows like this because we don't have to talk much and it makes us look smart and anything we can do to look smart is a good thing. Um, just saying brother. Uh, but, uh, 100%. I think 2023 can be an outstanding year. Uh, what do you think brother? I think it's going to be a great year and prepping for 2024, but let's focus on 23 and win across the state and then go to 24. Let's win at the local level. Let's do the county level, the city level. Uh, You know, I just love the diversity of the interviews, right? From everything from Todd Myers writing a book to, you know, Sammy Bird running for governor, Jim Walsh, Peter Kwan, local city councilman, and then Vitaly, you know, bringing his faith to something really tragic in Ukraine. Hey, go to DougAndMarty.com. There you can get in contact with us. You can also listen to past episodes of the program. And they should do that, right, Marty? They should do that. Good today. Good this afternoon. Come on. Do it now. <laughs> <laughs> this is Doug Bassler. And Marty Newcomb.